This is on Sama Kamanto, which is translated as right action. Mm. So obviously they think this touches or centers on the understanding of karma, karma action, kamanto action. Mm. And so <clears throat> I think there's a few misunderstandings to clear up. So action doesn't just mean things we do bodily. Uh, and so there's three kinds of action, bodily, verbal and mental. Mm. I know a lot of the emphasis in uh, Buddhism or particularly on the conventional level, kind of folk Buddhism, if you like, is on bodily action or verbal action. And for contemplatives, it's much more useful and insightful to understand mental action. So those three bases. The verbal action includes thinking, speaking, thinking, writing. It's the ability to form concepts is the verbal action and the mental action is actually more to do with emotion attitude inclinations dispositions biases um, the things that well up that are probably more of what we might say uh, uh, they're not only irrational they can be clear or clearly determine something deliberates on something or it can be just reflexive you get a feeling wash it comes rushing up that is all action, something's activated. And this is a mental action. And this is when you, one begins to consider it this way, it's qu- quite clearly this is the most powerful um, and crucial source of action because bodily action, verbal action, we proceed from what wells up in the heart or what is where the heart moves or the way the heart is disposed. Um, so, You know, I think the emphasis on on karma can, in in a kind of folk culture, come very simplistic. And it, it, when you can see anything like, you know, if you give a bottle of water to a monk, it means you won't be reborn in the heavenly ghost in the in the, in the hungry ghost realm. Or how much merit do you get? So it gets very um, like a accounting system. Cash register, <laughs> now, or if you've been born lame or deaf, it's because of some, you know, it is calm in the past life. And this is the way it is. And also, you can get deterministic, which means it's my karma to be an idiot or a thief or just my karma, and you know. So you get a sense of I am this. I have to live this out, um, and there's nothing you can do about it really. And this is more the um, Vedic understanding of karma, which is the way, way I recognise it, which, which in a way means you just got to live with that for this lifetime, and then the next lifetime you get born in a different, different place, and then you can do the next lot of karma. But in, in you know, Buddha's emphasis on karma is it's, it's mutable, and it's led by the mind. So if you can actually get into the mainsprings of how the mind and heart work, then you can 
check bad karma. You can lean towards good karma and you can also get to the end of karma. Which doesn't mean that there's no action. It means there's, there's no um, action that, that generates, um, that keeps you attached, keeps you in the field of karma. Karma is the, when you, the word teased out more fully refers to the whole process of of karma vipaka. Vipaka is the results, and so um, karma, as you see in one of these suttas, I think it's the hundred and thirty sixth sutta, the Majjhima Nikaya. where he talks about different the ways that these karmic tendencies can keep overlapping that you can do good and yet somehow still experience misfortune um, because you're actually inheriting the results of of, previ- of of actions that have been done a long while ago so essentially what we are asked to recollect is that we already live in a uh, we are actually the results of of previous actions. We are actually formed, if you like, in a dynamic field, rather like an energy system that's already running. We don't start out nowhere and then get stuff happens. We already we come out of a field of karma. We're formed out of a field of karma. See, this is we parka, and um, then based upon that acts as the basis which if you like sets our sets our, um, our readings, our internal barometers and thermometers to, to how we'll be affected it's like your system gets tuned in a certain way and then things start pushing your buttons and you act mm. and so this is going on all the time and then you're also in a, in a field whereby you're affected by parents, by society, by being born as a human being, see, you, you've inherited the the whole, you know, medley of potential as a human being. Not because of the only thing you did was get born, really. <laughs> so you got into this. You're in a kind of chaotic feedback loop system whereby you you're just in this dynamic that's kind of doing its own thing. Some of it is things you've done. Some of it's things other people have done. But the, the initial karmic thing was to, to, to get born. And there's a nice one that somewhere the Buddha briefly summarizes this. It's not on this sheet. What is old karma? The eye is to be seen as old karma, fabricated in the world, capable of being felt. The eye is to be seen as old karma, fabricated and willed, capable of being felt. The ear is to be seen as old karma, fabricated and willed, capable of being felt. The intellect is to be seen as old karma, fabricated and willed, capable of being felt. This is called old karma. So you inherit sense-based system and these potentials in it. Hmm? That's the... um, 145th Sutra of the 135th chapter of the Samyutta of the 35th chapter of the Samyutta Nikaya Samyutta 35 145 that probably be Kandavaga is it? 
Salayatanavaga, perhaps. And then, interesting, another interesting, well, I find it interesting, where Ananda asks the Buddha about birth and becoming. And he says, there's such a thing as becoming or being. How is this? And the Buddha says, Ananda, if there were no karma ripening in the domain of sensuality, would you be able to experience, uh, would there be becoming in terms of sensuality? Would there be existence in terms of sensuality? Certainly not. In that way, Ananda, karma is a field. Consciousness is a seed. And craving is the moisture for the consciousness of beings hindered by ignorance and fettered by craving to be established on a lower level. So further becoming and rebirth are affected in the future. Thus Ananda there is becoming. And he goes through not just through the, the sense planes but also the fine material planes, the arupa planes. So he says you've got this kind of, there's these karmic fields and um, consciousness because there's craving for particular uh, karmic potential such as the energy that you can experience in sensuality there's the craving for that for the, actually, the dynamic of that therefore because of that craving consciousness gets planted on that level yeah. or then can be the thirst for the kind of effects and energies and experiences you experience on the Brahma plane which is like a kind of ethereal plane because, in, because of that craving for that action, mental inclination, heart inclination towards that plane, you get established there. So, you yeah. so see how, so, so in a way, action is, is the new heart inclination, the heart inclination of the present moment that inclines one towards particular domains of <coughs> being. Uh, you know where, and the, the essential thing is that the quality of calm itself has got a certain it's magnetic, it's dynamic. So, for example, with um, you can see this in anything where you you feel charged, energized, negative, positive. You know, there's that sense of one's in there, and suddenly it's very alive. You know, it can be painful, pleasant, frustrating, but it's 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 charged. And then you know one's in there, and then one becomes it, and you, one feels one is that. And sometimes you feel you're in it, and you think, "Here I am again in it," you know. Uh, and this, and, and it's got this kind of charge, which means that that moment, you know, it's almost like the rest of the world disappears, and all you see, all you re- realize, is everything from this particular viewpoint. No, and this is this is rebirth. <laughs> you can see it happening. Yeah, you know, and it may be around sexuality. It may be around a view or an opinion. It could be around samadhi. When you get into something, suddenly that you know all the other peripheral stuff seems to vanish. Every other way looking, and there you are. You're in this, and you see the whole whole of your world is suddenly seen through that particular light. That's 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 karma. That's, that's the establishment of birth and becoming on a particular plane, either a hell realm, hungry ghost realm, animal realm, human realm, deva level, brahma loka, so on. 
So when you recognize that kind of thing happening, then um, the, I mean, the frustrated thing is how much of the time one chooses some rather grubby little realms to hang out in, you know. <laughs> I mean, we're not even on the best level. <laughs> it's kind of like a maggot going into rotten meat <laughs> all the time. <laughs> That's, you know, this, is an e- this sense realm is just pretty much nothing great, you know, compared with Devaloka or Brahmaloka. Uh, so it's the magnetic quality of it that actually rivets one's attention to this and we, you know, in it it's nothing else but this this is it this is is. is it, everything else is just a fantasy Uh, so this is where in wrong view, when the person of wrong view thinks there's no other worlds there's only this That's, that's called wrong view that means that they're in a particular field the sense spaces manifest uh, all the kind of information you require and there's luminosity to it, there's potential in it, there's pleasure and pain in it, there's magnetism in it this is it, this is the real world, this is it (coughs) and you don't recognise, one doesn't imagine there are other places often one dismisses the very idea that it could be anywhere else or uh, uh, perhaps even more painfully dismisses the possibility that it could be liberation from it. You know, liberation which sounds like some nihilism. <laughs> you know, right. you mean you've got to let go of all this? As if this is it. Yeah. No liberation. So those are the wrong view. So mo- wrong view actually is really uh, wrong view about, you can summarize it as the wrong view is, is the wrong view about karma doesn't know understand karma as it is. There are certain tendencies, root tendencies of each realm. You know, so the human realm has got these tendencies in it. And then you can look at that almost microcosmically, if you like. You know, we're both human beings, then being, um, you know, particular dispositions lead to certain regions of it. So there's certain things that are just the effect of being born in a sense realm, the effect of being born as a human, the effect of being born as a human in the West, the effect of being at this particular time, and then, you know, with these particular parents, and then from past actions, there's a whole kind of enfolded layer, uh, enfolded system of, of different karmas occurring. So you see that in, in Hinduism, things happen to you because that's your karma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas it sounds more like you, you have a you know, predisposed to certain events mm-hmm. because of where you chose to manifest. Mm. Mm. It's intention right now, but there's also the results of previous intentions. But there's a section where the Buddha says um, there are people who experience bile, <coughs> diseases and pains in the in the gallbladder. Um, 
you know how these feelings arise. Everybody in the world knows these feelings arise based upon bile in your bladder. There are people who experience um, pleasure, pain, dependent upon this. So if you say this is all the result of karma, um, then you've got it wrong. This is, this is just a result of having you know, bile in your gallbladder. <laughs> you know, it's not a personal inclination. The only inclination you had or that was there was to get born. Once you're born into a human body, there's the possibilities of lung cancer, you know, yada yada, hit, getting hit by a truck. It doesn't mean you're getting hit by a truck because you did something. Yeah, accidents. You're, you're in a world of circumstance where these are all possible for, for any, anybody, human being born in the West. That's all in the probability. And then, um, you know, there's no particular thing that you're destined to get hit by a truck. The inclinations that come up, you know, when uh, things occur, you know, what touches into the feeling of victim or, oh, that's funny, one of my hand, or, you know, somebody gets angry at you and you think it's your fault, or you could think, why is he so, you know, it's his fault. There's different ways in which, it's the most, most thing you can recognise is what your mind or heart does with experience is the real indication of where the inclinations are, we project it out, project it in, or dismiss it, or get angry, or get sad, or something. But it's a complex topic, and, it, and it's one of the four imponderables. There's a nice thing, which I hope won't kill the discussion completely dead, but he says, um, what was it? The four imponderables are not to be speculated about. Whoever speculates about them will go mad and experience vexation. What are the four? The range of a Buddha's mind, the jhana range of one absorbed in it, the results of karma, speculation about purpose, and the, and the beginnings of the universe are, the, are imponderable. And anyone who speculates about them will go mad and experience vexation. <laughs> I think what he's saying is, you know, it's like if you, it's a chaotic system. So, for example, you know, you might say you rain, one drop of rain comes down, you try and figure out where that came from, you know, Peru, or you just go nuts because it's, it's just, you're in a very, very big feedback loop system and it's stuff flying around. Yeah. Uh, so this is talking about volition. Um, um, when there is the body, there arises in oneself pleasure and pain caused by bodily volition. When there is speech, there arises in oneself pleasure and pain caused by verbal volition. When there is mind, etc. Monks, either on one's own accord one generates that bodily volitional formation whereby pleasure and pain arise in oneself. Or one does so when induced by others. Either clearly knowing one generates that sort of evolution formation of mind, present, and arising, or one does so not clearly knowing. 
Yeah, it's, it's just that it's a sense of it's all my fault is one way in which one can view karma. And uh, you know, then that, 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 that means that self-view is generated, which is the, one of the whole, um, the, the way that karma operates. So the heart inclination is to, is to, is to, is to blame or to, to feel responsible for things. That's that's the karmic inclination that has to be checked. colloquial level it's why one is saying that you know it's perhaps just to say some sense of uh, getting a, an understanding of, of where the, be- the behavior isn't necessarily coming because of current circumstances you know, it's coming from some you know inclinations or results they'd, they'd experience well, I understand that when people, you have to correct me on this, but when people are saying that, they're probably not giving an academic analytical survey of karma, just a, a kind of brief touching into, you know, well, he seemed very fearful. It wasn't something we were doing here, it was something that he already had coming in. You see what I mean? I mean why do people say that? Why do people say, oh, it, it looks like he had a lot of karma because of, you know, what happened to him in the past? It's <coughs> somewhere trying to. to be able to understand their behaviour in the present is not is not because of particular circumstances that one feels responsible for. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah, no, I think the <coughs> sometimes it can be spoken in slightly it can sound dismissive or non compassionate. Uh-huh. I think that's the particular Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the result of 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 the result of
In some ways it's just a language thing, you know, some people use psychological language, some people use what you might call Buddhist language, you know, so somebody comes and they meet up for a few days even though they attended the space or maybe from a month or another. Somebody using Buddhist language not allowed to be gone in practice. It doesn't seem to be right in this particular type of commitment right now. Somebody in psychological language might use a different approach, whichever one you use. And this one has to screen, survey the inner territory if one is being dismissive or uh, religion or if one is trying to just make sense of why people come and go. I don't know if the main thing is entirely related to question of being rather than why to think that maybe what was the cause? You know, is it my karma or is it, you know, is it an accident? Or who's, who's coming over? That's speculation that drives you mad. Whereas if you relate to the pleasure of being skillful or Yeah, it's the quality of in, intention or chetana that there's an opportunity in every every mind, every moment there's an opportunity for the mind to do something and the first thing it, it needs to do is just to step back from the immediate contact impression of pleasure, pain you know, wait a minute, before I you know, and then you've got a choice if that step isn't taken, there's no choice, it's just reaction. You know, you hear something disagreeable, and you feel the disagreeableness, and you're, you're into reaction. If there's some sense of, wait a minute, disagreeable, you know, then there's a choice. Because you get to the real... Um, why is... yeah, intention, I tell you, is karma. Intending one does come by way of body, speech and intellect. And what is the cause by which karma comes into play? Contact. So it's contact and then action. Yeah. So if it's contact and your first, in a way, your first action is when it's happening is mindfulness, viveka, detachment and mindfulness, then, then there's choice. You know, you say, well, I could act upon it, uh, slow it down, uh, drop it, uh, investigate it, talk about it, and think about, you know, you've got possibilities. So it seems that that's almost the, the most important bit of, of to get in the whole piece, because once, once you're in, then, if you like, the potentiality becomes much more limited. You know, you into reactions. And then it gets much more limited. Although if there's not enough mindfulness, there's actually no options. You have no choice mm. if you mm. have no mindfulness. Mm. You can just do what your system is conditioned to do. Yeah. Once you cross the target of all Yeah, once you kind of, you kind of, once you've gone down that track, there is a bit, it's very hard to step back and put on the, um, yeah. 
Yeah, you give an example. We've been talking about this morning about the sense of, of beginning again. You know, talked about as beginning in a circle, I have a plum village. Of it means a chance where stuff has got, you know, woven in and it's gone dense. And, you know, you can't just kind of sort it out individually. You've got to, you've got to actually stop. <laughs> and the, the humility, right? Say, well, I don't know why or what, but whatever, you know, I recognise I've probably done some bad things here. Open up, let's let go, and, you know, can that be accepted? Which is a very ancient you know, thing that they had at the quarrel at Kosambi where this is so wrangling over some minor point, it built up to a huge kind of feud. And all they had to do was just stop and oh, I keep this going. <laughs> well, I probably did some unskillful things. And the other party says, yeah, well, we probably did some unskillful things and you know, cover over with grass. But to, to do that, you know, it is, um, it's of course a wonderful thing to do, but it means, you know, it's the self, the self has to be, you know, the self-view has to come down, doesn't it? You know, it's a, you can see in, in, in essence, it's like a pricking of the bubble of self-view, and righteousness and you know, all that kind of thing. Uh, and you see how the, the, the more entrenched karma gets, the more intrinsically it becomes myself. And, you know, to, I can't let go of this, or I'm not going to let go of this. Uh, you know, he's this way, and, you know, it becomes really dense. And that's, that's exactly what birth and becoming is about. Karma, the magnetism of it, intends towards density and substance. You imagine someone like, you know, Israel and Palestine, I mean, it's so it's so dense, and every time somebody does something, it gets a bit denser, and they just keep reacting and reacting and reacting and reacting and reacting, and, reacting. Uh, and uh, gets the denser it gets. Of course, the more intensely held the self views are. You know, I'm Israeli, I'm Palestinian, and the more difficult it gets for people to say, "I'm a human being." Uh, we did wrong. As well, you did wrong, we did wrong too. uncomfortable isn't it to, to kick a habit mm. to pull out of calm is uncomfortable <laughs> so in the Buddha in his fourth quote the Chula Dhamma Samadana Sutta Samadana Sutta four ways of undertaking things way of undertaking things pleasant now and ripens in the future as pain 
disagreeable or unpleasant. This is indulgence in sense pleasures. So this is the um, Butler Johnny Walker under the bed. <laughs> I remember talking to somebody who had been in the army and he said that's what exactly what it's like. You know, you wake up in the morning and go, oh, really thick head from the booze up head last night. So what do you do? Reach under the bed, pull out a bottle of vodka and have a few hits to get over it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's addiction. Very obvious in things like drink and drugs. You always have a hit to get over the results of the last one. But, um, you know, also we can see that in, in subtler ways. You know, the, ple- the, the pleasure and then the switch into the disagreeable and the feeling of stuck in it. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think I sort of gave, I gave up drinking any caffeine, caffeine for a whole vasa, which was a big thing for me. Uh, and it was good. I did it. It was, it was horrible, miserable. <laughs> Grumpy. Tetchy, worse than ever, worse than usual. <laughs> no, no, this was. I've got other reasons why I'm like this for this class. <laughs> other excuses. <laughs> it's because of my mother, you know. <laughs> and you could sense that, you know, when before I stopped doing that, you could sense something you said, oh, you know. I feel like a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. Yeah, I really want a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. I shouldn't have a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. Right, and it's when you're actually making it. Yeah, yeah, right, drink this cup of tea or coffee. Yeah, yeah, it feels really good. (laughs) (laughs) And your mind is going one way and your hand just goes into something else. You know? Yeah, that's addictive. That's addiction. Yeah. But I, you know, it's possible to stop, but it's painful. Because that, that little bit of what you have to, to feel at that moment when you can't get your normal comfort outlet, you know, your normal pressure release, you've got to feel the, the dull or the dreary or the grudgy or the whatever it is you're feeling. And you, know, and you can't use those things to just flip over them. And of course, there'll be other things. It could be reading books. It could be music, you know. Yeah. There's all sorts of subtle addictions we don't actually own up to. Ways in which we escape from the discomfort of the thing that's, you know. And it's only really once one begins to see the, the sense of actually it didn't make it any better, it made it worse. In the long run, you know. It ripens in the future pain or the disagreeable or the, the stuck or the worst state than before. Way of undertaking things and this painful now and ripens in the future as pain. <laughs> this is asceticism. So you're coming from a, a, a view of well punishment is probably good for me. I would say that's the colloquial way of expressing it. I probably, you know, I'm a corrupt person, I'm a sensualist, I could do with a good whacking. Mm-hmm. 
So that's painful now because the, the attitude is actually one of uh, malevolence or harshness towards oneself uh, or blaming or, you know, then that, that intentionality ripens in the future as, as a negative state. The Buddha was very strong on the, on asceticism as being um, path to hell. Either unfortunate, either rebirth as an animal, or if you really believed in it, rebirth in hell. Because it's a harsh, you know, it's, it's doing harshness to yourself. Yeah, greed and sensuality. There's uh, just so I was recollecting. There's a sutta. You remember the sutta called the Ox Duty Ascetic, where there's a couple of ascetics. One who's who's behaving like an ox, and one's behaving like a dog. Mm-hmm. And the Buddha says, they say, well, what's the result of this? And he says, don't ask. And they say, oh, please. He says, don't ask. And they ask me a third time. They say, well, you've asked three times. I had to tell you. You know, if you behave like an ox. In a good way, you'll be reborn as an ox. <laughs> if you behave in it from a view of this is going to do you any good, you go to hell. <laughs> you read the sutta. You don't, I'm not going to. I'm not going to do it right now. You walk around on all fours and drink, <laughs> lick things out of pup, you know, and, and wag your tail or something. <laughs> That's probably people are doing that. They're probably still doing it somewhere. You know, people are walking with their hands up in the air for yes. 17 years and so the arm rots away. Uh, and um, you say, well, you know, if you do it, you know, then the, work, the best thing that happens is you'd be reborn in the realm of people with no arms. But if you really think this is going to be your path to liberation, this is a twisted view and you'll end up in some very miserable um, state. That was his, anyway, that's his view. Painful now and ripens in the future as pleasure. This is striving against lust, hatred and delusion to live a pure life. So this is probably where we can relate to. One of the things we might be able to relate to. So it's, it's the kind of the grind of, um, of working with one's um, or the faults or the, um, you know, the ignorance in the mind. We're working with it the sense of of trying to clear the blemishes from something that's got that is innately pure. So it's a feeling of this is, uh, you know, one feels inspired rather than um, critical. And yeah, you know, I really want to do. I really want to live up to the fullness of which I'm capable. And this thing is hanging. You know, it's stopping me. Just let's clear it. You know? I think it's very important in in practicing that you one always experiences trying to get a sense of hindrance. It's not what I am. <laughs> I'm not hindrance, but it's something I'm carrying that I really is not worthy of. Me. I don't need this thing. Mm-hmm. The Buddha used the example of the person with a, carrying a dead dog around their neck, and then mm-hmm. kind of, you know, this is this is not. Wor- I'm better than this. I don't need this thing. So that's the way of undertaking that you have to look at the smell of this rotten dog or whatever it is and um, the pleasure of laying it down. And the way of undertaking things that's pleasant now and ripens in the future is pleasure. He, he talks that this is the cultivation of jhana for someone whose defilements are relatively weak on the sensual level. 
Um, it's, I think this is actually uh, Sariputta in this talk. Is it necessary? No, it's, it's a Buddha.
is there is there sort of knowledge one person has carries less of say a comic load, which does imply that sort of storehouse kind of idea. That they would be able to progress directly into that fourth type of um, undertaking thing. Whereas the other person with more defilements would have to make effort more in the third area. And they could shift the jump over into that. Yeah, it's always the lessening of the tendencies towards greed, hatred, delusion. So certainly with Sila you can you can do a lot of good work with that. Lessening those those tendencies to and fundamentally generosity, loving uh, generosity, um, sacrifice, you know, in other words certainly one's own one looks after the welfare of others rather than oneself, one gives away, one renounces. Uh, one offers a sense of loving kindness. So, you know, there's three skillful roots you can see uh, developing those in Sila. Sila just doesn't mean just the five precepts, it means the whole realm of conventional behavior. Mm. So sometimes the five precepts are, don't, instead of having um, the precept against alcohol, they have a precept against wrong view. So it's it's a very it's a mutable thing what the precepts are, you know. The fundamental thing is sealer is the whole way of, of behaviour. And so if that I think where one needs to be aware of the value of the understanding karma is that of course people can do automatically things that look good, but actually the heart is either not connected to it at all or it's doing it for manipulative purpose, you know, I'll do something nice to you provided that, you know, so that you're, you know, some manipulation in it. Or doing it from some weird wrong view, like if I give so many pennies to the monastery, I'll be reborn as a Brahma deity. You know, so you got these, so that, that the actual quality of intention is no longer really pure. Mm. So with Sila, one's got to be aware of, uh, and also Sila, which means one becomes righteous. You know, I'm doing this, and they're not doing, they're doing that. You know, I'm better. Well, that of course that is a corruption of the heart. So, with the seed level, it's it's good, but it can it can get deluded. Um, you can do some things, and that eventually you're going to kind of come down to refining it in terms of the pawana meditation. That's interesting. The the in early Buddhism, you don't parami don't really feature in it. That that comes in about. 200 years after. So the original, you know, what we call original anyway, Pali Canon, it's mostly seen as clearing away the hindrances. It's almost like a negation of that which is contaminated. There seems to be an enormous uh, innate trust and faith in that impurity and in the unconditioned. So it didn't seem to be lift, need to be held up, you know. You seem to have a natural feeling for that. You just want to get rid of this stuff. Um, and the unfortunate thing is that it, it, nowadays there's such little that that there's teachings we talk about clearing away the hindrances when we obsess with the defiled nature as self. You know, and don't really have much of a the unconditioned is just well, I don't know, some remote possibility that somebody somewhere might have had a flash of it, but it's you know not going to happen to me. I'm all, you know, that's the kind of view of it. 
you know, so so then things like talking about parami is quite helpful. But it, it didn't seem to be necessary at the time of the Buddha days. Whereas now you really need to emphasise more the goodness, the virtue, the, the brightness, the uh, loving kindness, because people seem to, you know, lose touch with, with their own goodness so, so readily. And that may be the whole, almost you might say, the kind of calm of the of the human society. The more and more wrong views and, it, and bad deeds get done, the more and more the whole the human history has become much more negative in its, its viewpoints. Mm-hmm. And you need to kind of, kind of fluff it up, really. Then in, in the fifth quote I he- have here, the Maha Dhamma Samadhana Sutta. And then, first of all, someone in pain and grief breaks through the first pro- four precepts and holds wrong view, experiences pain and grief that have wrong view as a condition. Yeah. Now, just to sort of put that on one side the moment, just to kind of leave it there that, that uh, what, what I don't have here is this really interesting sutta called the conch blower in the Sangyuta Nikaya where the Buddha somebody says to the Buddha well as I understand it you know whatever you do you get the results of so um, whatever you do you get the results of and, that, and the Buddha says well no that isn't how I teach And he gives the example, he says, well, you imagine someone who's a murderer. Yeah. And maybe they kill a, well, kill a person every week. Yeah. Takes them 10 minutes to kill a person. So for 10 minutes a week, they do murdering. That means for, for six days and 23 hours, they're not murdering. Therefore, most of their life is spent in virtue. You know, they're, they're mostly virtuous. And only a little bit of a blemish here. So in that case, you know, if, that, if what one did, one received the results of, it would mean that this person would actually be reborn as a Brahma deity, because he only did he only did a tiny little proportion of, of bad compared to the amount of non-bad he did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he says the the problem is that because of the intensity of it and the views that arise. That you, you know, that's what you remember, and that's what your mind is is, is gravitated towards. So it's not action; it's the the quality of the action, the severity of it, and the um, and the, the intentionality of it. This means, and he says, now when you have done wrong, what you need to do is to say, "I've done wrong. That was wrong. That was bad." will not do that again and then you practice the Brahma Vihara you develop a lot of metta karuna to yourself and to others so it sort of cleans it out which is nice because then you get the sense that karma is not you know remorseless or um, relentless cause and effect you can 
shift it. So if you break precepts, you have a wrong view, then you think, oh, well, I can't, you know, I'm stuck with it, what can I do? Or, or that's the way I am, what's my calm? You don't actually, no, I can, I can repent, I can do better. You need to come back again. So it's the wrong view that really pins it. Yeah. In. And there's another one here. Huh? The conch blower. It's in the Sanyutanikaya. There's a, a chapter called Head the Head Head on Headsman. Headsman. And one of there is a con- called the conch blower because it, the idea is you blow loving kindness to all the four directions, just like a person blowing a trumpet. And another one here, this is from the Book of the Threes. For anyone, in whatever way a person makes karma, that is how it's experienced. There will be no living of the holy life, no opportunity for right ending of suffering. But for anyone who says, when a person makes karma to be felt in such and such a way, that is how its result is experienced. There is the living of the holy life. That seems, what's he saying there? Anyone who says, in whatever way a person makes karma, that is how it is experienced. Yeah? Someone who says that, believes that view, the holy life is not possible. No opportunity for the ending of suffering. For anyone who says, when a person makes karma to be felt in such and such a way, that is how its result is experienced. There is the living of the holy life, there is the opportunity of right ending of stress. So the first view is actually a, a det- automatic determinist view. Whatever I do, there's a result. You know, the second view is, is one where karma, you feel it, you review it, you see that's the result. There's a sense of you, you know, stepping out. Mm. So you, you get the important bit of stepping back and seeing results and results. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And identification. And then he gives the example of someone who does a, a small bad deed and um, their mind is narrow and restricted and undeveloped. Then the small bad deed in the mind that's very narrow and restricted actually leads to very unfortunate consequences because they can't see around it. And he says that same small deed done by a person whose mind is developed and unconstricted doesn't have much effect. And he uses the example of uh, taking salt and putting it in a, in a teacup and the water tastes salty and then you, put, you take the salt and put it in the river Ganges it doesn't change the flavour because the, the, mind, the Ganges is a bigger stream. Yeah. That one, it's um, Book of the Threes, number 99. Because they say, but what I've heard when I've had it from Ashashi is that shouldn't be the opposite of a person who's got a developed mind, they should be more sensitive even to even the slightest wrongdoing, but they should be even more remorseful. 
people do something that he laughs and it wouldn't seem to matter much because it's all about him. That's the kind of paradox that you don't see it. Yeah. You can see that what people do with unwholesome action is that if someone adds a lot of guilt to And also, I like the idea that Chita actually has a size, you know. Mm-hmm. If you develop a Chita, it feels bigger and it just can hold so much more. Mm-hmm. Even just as a physical presentation of the environment. I'd say it's very pertinent for the holy life because it's often the case that people develop immediately a strong sense of conscience and concern before the rest of the mind is really developed. <coughs> so you do something that wasn't so good and the mind just obsesses with that and worries about it and feels very depressed by it when really well, yeah, you know, wasn't so good but you know, the mind actually hasn't developed widely enough the quality of, of kindness and compassion. So a very small D, you know, bad speech or something like that, which wasn't great. There's a real, there's not enough space to actually process that. So, yeah. I see this happens quite, in my experience, quite a lot with uh, people living a holy life. You know, there's a strong sense of conscience and concern and, you know, aspiration for purity and these kind of great. Um, idols one looks up to as totally free from blemish and all that mm-hmm. and good standards of Vinaya, Padimogra maybe you're going to you know, do something with gaff somewhere, you know, you speak a bit roughly and it wasn't good, it's true but, you know the amount of uh, the sense of, you know, wait a minute stop, just try to see what happened how your energies went, get some space around there, mm-hmm. and then you learn. If you just clamp down on the kind of guilt, don't ever do that again, then, then your body shuts down the process of learning. He didn't really understand what guilt was. Well, he thought it was Iriota, but from the yeah, explanation, yeah. you know, but because yeah. it, that particular piece of condition seems comparatively speaking quite strong in Western, Western Thailand. I have been experienced a lot of guilt problems from the Thailand. Yeah, I think it makes me Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
it closes the mind rather than opens it to the possibilities of you know one could do better one is sensitive one values others one values oneself therefore you know this is unworthy you know you don't actually have the value of oneself in the first place <laughs> yeah yeah. Yeah. The one about the yeah. grain of salt, was it? Or the no, no, the one about actions to be felt. Right. No. The whole thing is part of the grain of salt. Sutta. For anyone who says, in whatever way a person makes karma, that is how it is experienced. In whatever way a person makes karma, that is how it's experienced. There is no living of the holy life. There is no opportunity for the right ending of suffering and stress. Mm-hmm. For anyone who says, when a person makes karma to be felt in such and such a way, th- that is how its result is experienced. There is the living of the holy life. There is the opportunity for the right ending of suffering and stress. Uh, and you look at look in the quote and chew it around. I my sense of that, and it's not that clear linguistically, seems to me that one is about an automatic whatever you've done, you know, you're gonna get the repercussions of it. And the other one seems to encourage the sense of contemplating the process of cause and effect at the level of feeling. So it's rather than, you know, you know, five years ago I swore at my mother, you know. And therefore, doom, whatever. Um, but but now I feel this. Oh, I feel this sense of, you know, I feel really bad about that. I feel really bad. About that. There, right now, that's that's. You can't go back to the past. You can't keep. You can only concern yourself with a sense of grief or sadness or disappointment right now. And then that's what you experience. You experience the result of what your mind is doing right now. Mm-hmm. So it's no longer. So it means it's. It's you, you've got. So way of approaching it very immediately. It can be the case that in fact we make a lot out of something that was quite small. Mm-hmm. So the event was actually quite small. But right now I'm worrying, frettering, beating myself up over it. Mm-hmm. So it's how I'm experiencing in the here and now. That's going to give the result, and that is dependent upon. The development of the mind is if my mind is is weak, inclined to disappointment, inclined to depression, inclined to negativity, and then sooner I could think of something I did that's going to hit that button and I'm going to beat myself up, you know, because I've got a mind inclined that way. If I'm more inclined, it's always loving kindness, compassion, and so forth, and equanimity. Something I'm in the past, well, that was not good. Or you know, I should refrain from doing that in the future. May I be well, may they be well, may all beings be well. More of that nature. I mean, it's very, these arranged very stiffly, but the mind doesn't contract into a, into a kind of, you know, a constricted infliction, cruelty pattern. It inclines towards a forgiveness, letting go pattern. Because it's got the space to do that. And that seems to be the, the nub of what that, that suit is about. Which is great news, mm-hmm. in some ways. But it also does, you know, remind us that the that 
develop the mind is is crucial because if we don't we could be experiencing all kinds of misery that really there's no way nothing you can do about it you know it's really happened we've all done enormous number of stupid things I'm sure (laughs) or refrain from doing good things when you could have have done them In other words, is to do bad, is that the same result as to, as to refrain from doing good? Yeah, <laughs> that's what I mean. that was the paradox in the third yeah, yeah. Yeah. It probably depends a lot on the, on the view. Because doing bad would keep you out of, say, good meditation, and not doing good also would give you the power of getting into it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Depends on the view and the degree of choice that's there. Hmm? It's tricky what I'm doing when you use too much for color. Because the way I hear it, you know, it sounds like, well, I don't know what has been done. We go to the the seventh quote I have here. Talks about different occasions of merit, I'd say. So if one gives with consideration after reflecting, if one gives coarse or refined alms food, if one gives it with consideration reflect with reflection with one's own hand gives other than leftovers and with a view to the future then the mind will incline to the enjoyment of sensual happiness so he talks about and if you if you um, level of dana so if one is giving things with a mind that's inclined towards um, you know future good results then one will receive a future good result in terms of sense pleasure sensual comfortable existence um, but then, if the, if um, if there's someone you give to someone of, who has right view, then the the association with the person of right view is karmically much more fruitful. So, so who you give to counts, provided, of course, that you, you under that it's the right view that you connect to. <laughs> this is where it gets a bit probably a bit controversial. And then he goes to the list. He fed a hundred people of right view is not as good as you fed one once returner. So that would seem to mean that the right person the right view is a stream enterer because that's the one that's missed off the list. And he goes through, you know, hundred of those aren't as good as one arahant, hundred arahants aren't as good as a Pacheka Buddha, hundred Pacheka Buddhas aren't as good as a Samasam Buddha. So it goes up the line. And the end of it and then but none of that is as good as keeping the keeping the five precepts. <laughs> 
taking refuge in keeping the five precepts. And the merit of that would be is much great, much greater if you practice loving kindness, um, even for a mere whiff of loving kindness. Is better than feeding a hundred Buddhas. And then, even if you're just completely steeped in loving kindness, the the fruit of that isn't as good as if you have the understanding of impermanence for the duration of one finger snap. What do you make of that? Well, it is something like, uh, I've forgotten, the language is very clumsy. I mean, I, I just cobbled together from a, an old old English rendition, which was really weird. Woodwood, I think, or hair. Anyway, going back to your question, it seems to me, if you Because with the, see the, I think all the others are, are, are relative degrees of mundane fruition, but the perception of impermanence is the broadly unconditioned. It takes you out of the karmic loop. Yeah. Which karmic thing always substantiates, says this is solid, this is what I am, this is what you are, this is what I will be, this is what I was, this is that. That's a sense of permanence is established. So any time you, you see through that, or the realization of insubstantiality, it it almost for a moment the current, the magnetism of karma is is popped, is switched off just for that moment. Yeah. It's like you know, okay, we see this is our realm, here we are, and this and that and the other, and then this real moment. This is just poof. You know. <laughs> It's just, you know, it'll be gone, we'll be dead. You walk out the door and it's, where was it? And when you're in it, it's like... And then when it's good, what's all that? Quality of virility, which is just a natural thing. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, natural. Virality. Mm-hmm. Okay, just goodness. Still the right, man. That's the right. But I think it's just, 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 it's just,
it's also, yeah, it's also because there's, for that moment there's nowhere for greed to land. There's nowhere for hatred to land. Because the foothold, the lodging place is taken away. So that, you know, for that moment the current is switched off. It seems to me that viramani is more the, the effort of abstaining from something that you, you would otherwise do. But virati, virati means to delight in it, right? I know. Mm. Virati, it, it just means you're not delighting in it to begin with. You know, viramani, you do delight in it as you abstain. So that could be like a pain. That's a virati, there, there's no delight to begin with. So the, so the abstination, abstention, is completely natural because you don't want to do it to begin with. Yeah. And that that's yeah. 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 So what is the actual let's, let's let's take an obvious example. Let's say you see a kid, you know, about to put their hand on the hot plate in the kitchen. Yeah. You just grab them away, you know. In some ways, it's probably very karmically, it's very light, and already you see the obvious thing to do. Yeah. 
Well, physically, yeah, but more significantly, perhaps, there's not a great sense of self on doing this because it's true. It's like, you know, it doesn't have so much. So it's really the deep stuff being involved. Yeah. Because yeah. obviously, it might be to do a lot of good things and refrain from what I'm skillful in, you know, I'm looking towards doing that. Yeah. And so you just kind of, doesn't mean you stop doing the right thing to do, but there isn't itself. that leads to the destruction of action is the top of the first because the doing and the because is it tied to that last bit about neither dark nor bright with neither dark nor bright resolve or is that an offset no neither dark nor bright is neither dark nor bright resolve that's that's not the end of karma that's that's mingled that's where it's mixed up so you do something that's got good intention in it, but it's got a few blemishes and blind spots in it that's mingled. Yeah. End of karma is, is the eightfold path. Karma is the end of karma is, is the actions of the eightfold path. Or another, another sutra expresses it as the enlightenment factors, the actually done end of the enlightenment factors. What it means is that that, that particular you know, field that you generate for the eightfold path, or you can do all the enlightenment factors, it's almost like a, and its own dynamic. And it means that, that counteracts the, the dynamic of karma. You know, so, so it actually, where before there was unskillful, is skillful, where before there was attachment, is essentially what it comes down to, super Monday, there's no attachment, there's no stuff in it, because of that. No self-unit, which is what the eightfold path 
after. So, but therefore, path is karma. Samadhi is karma. Sati is karma. It's action. It's activated. It's directed. It's conditioned. The end of karma is is jnana, samanyana, sama vimuti. Yeah. Ajahn, did you say that action that is neither dark nor bright it's, it's not the Eightfold Path? Right, it doesn't refer to the Eightfold Path. But it says, I don't quite understand, and it says that it's plain to have the volition and abandoning the Oh, sorry, no, the, 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 yeah, yeah, excuse me. Yeah. No, I thought you meant the karma that it's both. Oh. It's neither. You know, that, that is, that's, that's the Eightfold Path. They're neither dark nor bright, neither dark nor bright nor dark. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you can't say it's dark or bright. Therefore, in that, the volition in abandoning, the whole emphasis on, on volition then is, is abandoning, relinquishment, or saga, giving up, letting go of results. What? Dispassionate action, you could say. So there's action, but essentially what shifts is the is the view. So action would be path and destruction of action is fruit, that would be, mm. be, be simple. Yeah, yeah. 